0: Good morning, brothers and sisters, regular visitors and guests. Welcome to church this morning. Also, welcome to those who are not able to be here with us this morning, but are able to watch this service via the live stream. We're thankful that we can be here together to worship our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's our prayer that we'd all be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel and that God would be glorified by our worship this morning. Consciously of the following announcements, Brother David Bolhos and Sister Shimon Spiker from the Freeform Church of Darling Downs have indicated their intentions to enter into the marriage state according to the ordinance of God. They desire to begin this holy state in the name of the Lord and complete it to his glory. If no lawful objections are brought forward, the ceremony will take place, the Lord willing, on Saturday the 3rd of September at 12pm in the Freeform Church of Darling Downs. With Reverend Carl Vermeulen officiating. Also, consistory as elders only will meet tomorrow at tomorrow evening at 8 pm. And next week, Sunday morning, we plan to celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Lord willing. This morning's service will be led by Reverend Poppy. Before we start this worship service, let's sing together hymn 4, verse 3. <clears throat>
1: and sisters, we're here to worship the Lord. In order to do so, I ask you to lift up your hearts to Christ in heaven, realize we come into his presence, and also please rise. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 113, the verses 1, 2, and 3. God rescued his people out of Egypt, then he gave them his law to teach them how to live in a open relationship together with him. Let's listen to the words of that law as it comes to us this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 5. God said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above For the Lord will not hold him guiltless, who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder and you shall not commit adultery. And you shall not steal. And you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant or female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He also taught this to us in a summary. When you think of what the commandment is really all about, it was one of the great discussions that the leaders had in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there was one of the leaders of the law, the teachers of the law, asked Jesus that question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of God's law. Well, Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 25. We're going to make confession of our sins and also confess how the Lord is willing to forgive those who do so. Psalm 25, the verses 3, 4, and 5. Let's now pray to God, let's ask God for his blessing. Almighty God and Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that once again on this Sunday morning, you invite us into your presence. Such a beautiful thing, that you are our God, and that we may be your people, and that you wish to have a time of fellowship with us. Father, we understand that when we come into your presence... The first thing that we need to deal with is our sins. You are the holy God. You're set apart from sin. There's no evil in you. You're never tempted by evil and you never commit evil. And it's different for us, Lord. By nature, we we are sinners. Our nature is, is not to love you, but to love ourselves. And by nature, we don't love the people around us. We often say and do things that are, that are disrespectful and hurtful for others. Father, we confess that that we've done so again this past week. And we want to acknowledge that. And we want to ask you for your grace. Please forgive us, Lord, for for living life in our own strength, for not relying upon you, not honoring you, not not serving you. And please forgive us for the times in which we mistreated the people around us. Sometimes we had no intention of understanding them. We didn't really care about who they were and what they thought. We were selfish and self-centered. Lord, forgive us for pride. Forgive us for our anger, for our lust, for our greed, for our covetousness. We pray that you would show us mercy and that for Jesus' sake, that you wash away all our sins. We're thankful, Lord, that we could just sing from Psalm 25, that all your paths are love and mercy, that they are faithfulness that never ends for all those who keep your covenant and who honor its demands. Lord, we want to do that. We want to keep your covenant. We do trust in you. We do understand that that you are a merciful and a gracious God. And that's what we plead upon. That we also ask that you guide us in the future, that you lead us, that you instruct us in the way that we should go, that you show us, the, show us the path of light, and that we may walk in this way. Pray for a blessing in this regard on the preaching this morning. Thankful that we may worship you here, that you, you're willing to tell us about who you are and what you've done for us. This morning we get to understand your instructions for family relationships, for the relationship between parents and children. I want to pray for your blessing over the preaching, that we may be encouraged through it, that we would be able to accept it, and that we're able to also apply these things to our lives and to live out of the grace that you've extended to us in Christ. Please hear us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, brothers and sisters, I may preach to you God's word as we find that in Ephesians 6. We're going to look at the first four verses. Children, obey your parents, and fathers, bring your children up in the instruction of the Lord. And in connection with that, I'd like to read one passage from the Old Testament. We're going to read together from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So Deuteronomy is a sermon given by Moses. Moses. Just before the Israelites crossed the Jordan to take over the land that God had promised to them. It's really in Deuteronomy 6, verse 10, that the Lord spells out the nature of the covenant relationship that He wishes to have together with His people. So we're going to read together Deuteronomy 6. You can find that in your guest Bible on page 178. Hear God's Word. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, a great and, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill... And cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God. In your, for the Lord your God is in your, in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massah. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. and You shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you, in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out out of Egypt with a mighty hand. if we are careful to do all this commandment before the lord our god as he has commanded us so far let's sing of this calling of parents to teach their children to know and love the lord we're going to sing together from psalm 78 the verses 1 2 3 and 4 Text for the sermon this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna look at Ephesians six, the first four verses. You can find that on page eleven hundred and sixty-two of your your guest Bible. So in Ephesians chapter six, we start reading there at verse one. Children Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's as far as the passages we're going to look at, then after the preaching of God's word, we're going to sing together from... Hymn fifty six, the verses one, two, three, and four. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're married then one of the greatest gifts that God can give you is the gift of children. The Bible talks about that. Psalm 127, verse 3, Children are a heritage from the Lord. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. Or Psalm 128, it talks about some of the blessings of the man who fears the Lord. You have a wife who is like a fruitful vine, and you have children who are like olive shoots around your table. Now we often experience children as a blessing. If you have a baby, there's nothing quite like cuddling your newborn baby. You get a whiff of that new baby smell in the first couple of days, first couple of weeks. And as time progresses, then you get to, to live life with these little ones, you get to learn their characters, you get all those special moments in life where you get to watch them, to explore their world and to to become independent. You get the first smile you get the first steps and you know, they get to taste their first gherkin. Get to experience all these, these beautiful things where the children, they grow and they develop and they become their own people. And you get to walk along the side of life with them through that. You get to teach them and you get to train them and you get to love them. You get to go camping and hiking. And you get to do sports. You get to be involved in their lives. You teach them and you challenge them and you love them and you train them. It's one of the, the greatest things that God has ever given you is if, if you are a parent and if you receive children from his hand. But you know, it's not to say that parenting is easy. It's also one of the most challenging things that you ever endure. You're never challenged as much as you are by your children. Not only do they write with permanent marker on your brand new furniture, scratch your car. But you know, they they disobey you. They lie to you. They fight with each other. They argue and complain. They refuse to do their chores. They break the rules. They give you a big mouth. know our children are sinners by nature. And we're no different. We're also sinners by nature. And when these things happen, then typically, that brings out the worst in us. And so it's when you're in this situation, you're with the people who you love the most and who you're closest to, and they sin against you, then the natural reaction is that you also end up sinning against them. It's in these intimate family relationships that our pride and our selfishness and our anger is revealed. You know, that's hard. That's also quite a blessing. Because that's the place where God works on us. He's bringing us to glory. He wants us to know him. And he wants us to love him. He wants us to walk closely with him. And it's when we get to see our sin up close and personal. That we get to see how much we need a savior. And we get to understand how much he's done for us in Christ. And that we get to rely upon him and seek his help to do the task that he's given us to do. We end up at the foot of the cross. And that is the place of the greatest blessing. And so I preach God's word to you this afternoon—sorry, this morning with this theme. God gives a wonderful task to both parents and children. Children, obey your parents. And parents, train up your children. So our text starts off with these words. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So boys and girls... The Apostle Paul, he's been telling us about what it looks like to live a life redeemed by Jesus Christ. And he says, for you specifically, he says, the first and the most important thing it looks like is to obey your parents. You need to do what your dad and mom tell you to do. And actually, God says, it's not just about obeying your parents. When you do obey your parents, then in the next verse there, God refers back to the fifth commandment. He says, it's, it's more than just obedience It's also honoring. The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And if you honor your mom and dad, that means that you show them respect. Sorry, you show them respect. You hold them in high regard. It's actually interesting, in that regard, you have this passage, Leviticus 19, verse 3. Every one of you shall revere his father and mother. Show reverence towards your parents. Show them awe and respect. What a high calling. You'll wonder about that. Isn't it a bit much that you have to show awe to your parents? The reason the Lord says it is because He's invested His authority in your parents. The reason you have to obey them and honor them and respect them is because God says that he's taken some of his authority and he's given that to your parents. And we heard a few weeks ago, authority is always to be used to serve those under under your authority. So your parents have the job to serve you, to help you, to train you, to teach you. And in order for them to be able to do that, he says, you need to respect that authority. You need to respect my authority. And so you need to listen to your parents... As a way of showing me that you respect me. And as a way of listening to me. And that's actually something it says there. Our text says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean it's always easy. Listening to mom and dad is sometimes really hard. You have to do what they tell you to do. Not what you want to do. It means that you need self-control. You need humility. Sometimes we don't honor or obey our parents because we think they don't understand us. Or we think they're old-fashioned or out of touch. You know, in most cases, it's just not the truth of it. Boys and girls, the Lord has given your parents and they really love you and they really want it to go well with you. There may be a few situations where parents don't love their children or where parents mistreat their children. and The Lord is... He says that's one of the most serious things. It's a very serious matter when parents mistreat their children. He talks about that in Matthew 18, verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And so the Lord puts an enormous responsibility on parents. If you ever mistreat your child, that you've, you've committed a very grave sin. But you know, most of the times, that's not the context. Most of the times, your parents love you, and they truly want what's best for you. They're deeply concerned, in the first place, for your spiritual well-being. They want you to know God. And they're also deeply concerned for your physical well-being, and your mental and your emotional well-being. They really care deeply for you, and they want it to go well for you. And so what the Lord is saying here, boys and girls, young people, is that God's saying that if your parents tell you to do something, then you do it. When you're little, this is probably the most important thing that you can learn. Little children have to learn to quickly and happily say, Yes, Mom. Yes, Dad. You do what they say. No complaining. No arguing. No dragging your feet. No waiting for a long time. No making them get mad at you. Well, that's not honoring. That's not obedience. young people... Your parents tell you you're not allowed to message your friends at night? They say, yes, Mom. They tell you you can't listen to certain music or watch a certain movie. Then you respect that. They tell you, no, we don't want you to have a phone yet. Or, no, you're not allowed to take your phone or your computer into your room. No, you can't have a TikTok account. And you, you respect that. You honor that. You listen to what they say. Now last week we heard that by nature we tend to put ourselves in the center of our lives. We tend to to be selfish and to pursue the idols of our hearts. And that's something that starts from the minute we're really young. We know what we want and we want to have what we want. And it's as we grow up that our parents challenge us in these things. And they teach us not to live that way. They teach us not to pursue the idols of our hearts because they want us to know the Lord and to love the Lord and to put him in the center of life. And so they challenge us and they put boundaries in place and they limit what we can do and where we can go and who we can see. And those things they do because they love us and because they wish us to share together with them in the grace that is in Jesus. And so now God says, as young people, you accept your parents' authority, that you respect them, that you do what they say. You know, young people in that regard, if I can have just one other encouragement for you, it's, it's not only your parents. But your parents, they also invest some of their authority into the teachers. They ask the teachers to teach you on their behalf. And if a parent does that, then, then the teacher has your authority, and then you're also called to respect your teachers, and to obey them, and to hold them in high regard. And so if you're disobedient, if you're disrespectful... Sometimes you have a teacher, they have a bit of struggle maintaining control of the class. And then sometimes the kids, they just push. And they push and they push and they push. They want to make the teacher really annoyed. And they think that they've done a, a great thing with their friends when they accomplish something like that. Well, that doesn't come from the Spirit of God. That's not godly. That's not pleasing. That's not honoring. That's not obeying. So if that's you, then the Lord calls you to repent of that, that you hold the teachers in high regard, that you respect them as you would respect the Lord. And you have to understand, young people, it's not just about your parents, it's not just about the teachers, it's also about you, that's what God says here. He says you have to obey your parents for this, for this is right and then God says, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Yeah, you know, the Bible spells that out in a lot of different places. There's one, one chapter, Proverbs 4, and God talks about a bunch of different things. He says, if you listen to your parents, then you grow in wisdom. Then you will be protected. Then the years of your life will be many. Then you will accomplish what you set out to do, And you will receive life and health. Well, who doesn't want to be blessed? Who doesn't want things to go well for them? To be blessed in their life, where they're able to accomplish what they set out to do. Well, God says you can do that. But listen to your parents. That's the means. That's how you get there. And on the flip side, the Lord also says that if you don't honor your parents, then you're going to be cursed by God. Proverbs 30, verse 17, the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by the vultures. God says that his curse is going to rest on those children who disobey their parents. Well, do you understand then, boys and girls, what the Lord asks of you, young people? God loves you. He wants to bring you into glory. And to that end, he, he sets your parents over you. And he, he tells them that they have to train you, and they have to teach you, and they have to bring you up to know and love God. And then the Lord calls you to obey that. And if you're in a place where you, where you realize you haven't done that, then you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You need to pray to God. You need to tell him that you've sinned against him. You need to ask him to show you his grace and his forgiveness. And if you do that, if you're honest with God, if you tell the Lord about how you've fallen short, and if you ask for grace, and if you're honest with your parents, you tell your parents, you tell them that you're sorry, that you want to be different, then the Lord will show you grace. Then he will forgive you, and he will help you. The Lord Jesus came and he did it. He was obedient to his parents. His mom, he's 12 years old. His mom just really doesn't understand him. His dad doesn't understand him. Son, why did you treat us this way? And he's like, didn't you know this is where I'm supposed to be? And he did. He was subject to his parents, it says. He obeyed them. And he did that for you. To cover all your sin. And to help you, to enable you to do it it yourself. Well, it's not to say that children are the only ones who need Christ's help. The text continues here. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's interesting here that fathers are mentioned. The part of the context here in the Greek language, in the masculine, it includes and it surrounds the feminine. So when a father is mentioned, it's not just the father, but it also includes the feminine. And that's obvious in the very next line, where it talks about obeying your father and mother or sorry, honoring your father and mother. But it's also interesting that that the father here is mentioned specifically. Another part of the reason here is because the father is ultimately responsible. You know, in our context today, mom probably does the lion's share of the work in raising the children, but the father is still responsible. It's interesting in that regard, in the last few hundred years, there's been quite a change in how things have been organized in our families before the industrial revolution then most families worked together maybe dad was a blacksmith and the front of the house would be the shop that faced the streets where people would come and he would meet with people that's where he did his work And the back of the house is where the family lived and so dad was he was always present with the family maybe mom helped out at the front she was at the front counter helping people out on the street and oftentimes the kids were involved in some way as, as life progressed then dad would teach the kids the trade and so dad was deeply involved in family life and he was often teaching and training his children about how to live and what the values and priorities are it's interesting Nancy Piercy says she says that it was really during this time or this is the time prior to the industrial revolution that any books that were written on parenting they were typically addressed to fathers they're teaching fathers how to train their children. Well, that means that for us brothers, we, we're not there most of the time, but we still have a primary responsibility to raise our children. And what does it look like? Well, our father tells us, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what does it mean to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Well, if you go back to our text that we read together in Deuteronomy 6, the first line there of Deuteronomy 6, there there it says that we are to hear and obey the commandments, the statutes, and rules that the Lord has taught us. And then it's in that context that the Lord also continues in the verses 6 and 7. He says, "...and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children." And she'll talk of them when you sit at home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And so God's saying here that an important part of bringing up your children is that you talk, and you talk, and you talk to them. When you sit down, when you rise, when you come and go, when you wake up in the morning, you're sitting at the breakfast table. When you're driving your kids to school, when you come home later in the day, when you're doing the dishes at night, when you're driving them to sports, or when you're playing a game with them, God's saying you need to talk to your children. In all the circumstances of life, you need to help them to understand who God is and what it looks like to live in a relationship with God. And then on top of that, there's also this calling to, to discipline them. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Well part of the reason for that God's really honest with us he says that by nature children are fools we're all foolish by nature Proverbs 22:15 folly is bound up in the heart of a child but a rod of discipline will drive it far from him or Similarly Proverbs 23:13 do not withhold discipline from a child if you strike him with the rod he will not die if you strike him with the rod you will save his soul from sheol I'd say an essential part of discipline, or an essential part of bringing up your children, is to also discipline them. Now, as parents, that's hard. First, you have to decide what the rules are and where the boundaries are. You have to figure out how to punish the child and what that really looks like. And nobody likes doing that. Nobody likes inflicting punishment on, on their children, on another person. The Lord knows that, so he reminds us, he says, it's for their good. He says, I discipline you for your good, and as, as I discipline you for your good, so you also need to do that for your children. You think of Hebrews 12, you have that, that well-known passage. In verse 11 there, the Lord says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful, the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's always painful when it happens. But it leads to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. There's peace in your child's heart, in the home. And there's righteousness The children learn to do what's right when you're faithful in teaching, training, and disciplining them. It's not new, brothers and sisters, you all know this. But you know, the real question becomes... How do you apply that? What does that look like in real life? That is a real challenge. You know, when you read over Deuteronomy 6, when you read over these passages in Proverbs, then it seems that the main thing is that we need to teach our children the rules. We have to get them to understand and to obey the rules. And if they don't do that, then we need to punish them, we have to make them obey the rules whatever it takes, to get them to walk in the right way. But you know, if you you only focus on the rules, then there's something really foundational missing. And that's the reason for obeying the rules. If you read carefully through Deuteronomy 6, then the Lord is very explicit about why he wants these rules to be taught to his children. He says you need to obey the commands statutes ordinances of God so that you may fear the Lord your God. That's the first reason that you fear him. He wants you to hold him in awe and respect and reverence. And then you have the passage in verse 6 and 7 of our chapter of that chapter where it talks about teach them to your children. But the context of those words are back in verse 5. In verse 5 the Lord says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And so God's saying here, he's saying the most important thing is to love him. The most important thing is to fear him. And God's saying the way that you love and fear, the way you show that, is by obeying him, by doing what he tells you. Well, that's the same thing that happens here in Ephesians six. The emphasis is on loving the Lord. The emphasis is on is on understanding who God is and what God has done for you. So that in your heart that you really love Him. Ephesians one, God tells His people about all the spiritual blessings they have in Christ. You were chosen in Christ. You're adopted into God's family. You're forgiven all your sins. You're given the Holy Spirit as a deposit. You give him the promise of eternal life. God says, I'll save you from sin and the devil. He says, I'm going to unite you together in one church. I'm going to give you love and unity for each other. And I'm going to do all these things for you because I love you. And now as I have loved you, I want you to love me. That's actually the calling of, of chapter 5, verse 2. Ephesians 5, verse 2. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, that's the context for the Lord's discipline, brothers and sisters. He loves us, but he wants it to go well for us. And so the most important thing is the relationship between him and us. He pours out his love on us. He tells us, you're my sons, and you're my daughters. I've adopted you into my family, and I've got to care for you. And I will take care of you, and I will provide for you. And now I call you at root to respond to that love, to love me as I have loved you. You know, if you put all the the emphasis on the rules, brothers and sisters, then God, your children, they grow up with this view of God as a strict disciplinarian. Who's going to get them if they break the rules? Do they fear God? Yeah, they fear Him. They fear Him in the sense that they're afraid of Him. They're afraid of getting caught. They're afraid of getting in trouble. They're afraid of what God will do to them if He catches them out. But that's not who God is. That's not how God relates to His people. That's not God's character. That's not the core of His character. In Exodus 34, Moses, he pleads with God that he can see God, and the Lord reveals himself to Moses. He reveals himself as the Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands and forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's the core. He is the Lord who is a God of love and faithfulness who's steadfast, who's true to his people. But it doesn't mean he lets people get away from sin, with sin. He continues in that same passage, he continues, he says he will by no means clear the guilty, but he will hold them accountable. But the, the most important thing we need to communicate to our children is the love and the grace and the faithfulness of their God. Well, how do you do that? One of the ways is by teaching them. You have to tell them the stories of who God is and what God has done. Not just the strict disciplinary stories of how he corrected his people whenever they went wrong, but the gracious stories. That's the whole Story that he taught them. He's a father who cares about them and who loves them. This morning we listened to the law. The law is prefaced by the grace. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I show grace to you. And since I've shown that grace to you, now I call you to love me and I call you to do that by obeying these commandments and walking my ways. This is also what, what the Lord teaches parents here in Deuteronomy 6. He says, there's going to come a time where your children ask you why. Why do we have to do all the rules? And typically that happens first when they're two years old. They ask why. Why? Why, Dad? Why? Why, Mom? Why this? There's no end to why. It's a beautiful thing. It comes back later on when they're 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. They're becoming more independent. They're leaving their parents' parents' homes. And then they often challenge you and they ask you why. Well, the Lord addresses that here in this chapter. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 20, the Lord teaches us how to instruct our children to really know God. God says there that there's going to be this time where your child asks you why. And then the answer that God gives, it's not because I told you so. It's not because you have to do this or otherwise I'm going to punish you. Why do I have to obey all these commands and laws? He says, it's because I'm your father and because I loved you, and because I care deeply for you, and because I want relationship with you. That's what it says. If you, maybe we should read it together for a minute. If you go back to Deuteronomy 6, we're going to read the verses 20 to the end of the chapter there. So Deuteronomy 6, verse 20, page 179. There it says, "...when your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand." If we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Your son asked you why. And God says, you tell the old, old story of my grace and redemption in saving my people out of Egypt. You tell your son the rules. You set the context for them today, brothers and sisters. And they push back and they ask you why. Why? And you tell them the old, old story of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And the grace of God that he has extended to you in Christ. It is when your children understand the love of the Lord for them. That they will love him. And that they will seek to obey him and to walk in his ways. And so the most important thing we need to teach our children is who the Lord is the extent of his love, his grace, his his kindness towards us. And so how do you do it, brothers and sisters? You talk to them, you tell them the old stories, but it's interesting our text tells us you have to model it for them. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The most foundational way that you communicate to your children the character of God is by being like God for them. That's what we heard last week, a couple of weeks ago, in the the message about husbands and wives. Our marriages are a unique picture of the relationship that God has with His church. It's when a wife submits to her husband, and when a husband loves his wife, That our children grow up in families where they get to see and they get to learn on a really visceral level about the love that God has for his people, about the faithfulness that God has towards his children, and about the way that we as his people are to submit to him and to respect him and to love him. And so it is the calling of fathers to show the character of God in their dealings with their children. Don't provoke your children to anger, don't be unfair. And how you discipline them. Don't treat one child different from another. Don't play favorites among your children. Don't let one of them get away with breaking the rules. And make the other one punish. Punish the other one. Don't punish them. In a way that's inconsistent. With the severity of the sin that they've committed. The Lord is a good God. He's just. He's fair. He's loving. He's kind. And as he has treated us. So he also calls us as fathers, especially, to treat our children. Well, do you understand the calling, brothers and sisters? Our father wishes us to teach our children to love him, to obey him, to walk in his ways. The challenge is that by nature we focus on the externals. We focus on the rules. Real life is lived in the externals. It's all the externals of life. But it's when our children, when they they fail their test, that the focus is not necessarily on the test, but it's on the heart that was behind that. When they drink the last milk in the fridge and they get mad at each other, then the real issue is the heart. What's, What's going on in their heart? When they beat up their brother, then what's going on in their hearts? The Lord calls us, to help our children in their heart, to reflect their heart, to understand what's going on in their heart, and to show them who he is and what he has done and what he calls them to do and how to live with them. If we focus only on the rules, then we don't get to the heart, then we're not able to teach our children from the heart to know and to love God. You know, you can have obedience for the Lord without love. But you can't have love without obedience. And so our calling is to, to teach and to emulate the love of God for our children, that they may love Him, and then their service and their obedience will follow after that. When you think about it, brothers and sisters, and it's pretty humbling, we try It's who we want to be. It's what we want to do. We try to address their hearts. We try to help them to walk with God and to flee from sin. We love them dearly. We talk to them a lot. We pray for them often. We discipline them as necessary. At the same time, we fail. We fail in so many ways. We fail to to model God for them. We fail to show them the patience and the grace that God has shown us. How often don't we yell at our children, or get annoyed with them? How often don't we discipline them in anger? And how often aren't we proud and selfish in our own hearts that leads to conflict with our children? But we need a Savior. We have a God who's loved us and who's shown grace to us. We need Him to help us to live out of that. The greatest thing in the world is is to humble yourself before the Lord, is to confess your sins in parenting, to ask God to recreate you, to make you into a new person. And then humbly as a family, as parents and as children, then then you go to the throne of grace. You ask God for his help. and You trust him to do it for you. That he recreates you into his image. And that you live the kind of lifestyle that he has intended. That your home is a place of love and faithfulness, a place of peace and harmony, a place where God is central, where you humble yourself before the Lord and rely upon his spirit. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing from hymn 56, the verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. So call upon the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. In our prayer this morning, we're going to remember several members of our congregation. This past week, the mother of our sister Janet Velthouse passed away, so her sister went to Tasmania. The funeral is scheduled for later this week, so we'll pray to God for a blessing for her and her family to comfort them as they bury their mom. Then we had the, the joyful news that our brother and sister Rahul and Rose Vias received a baby boy from the Lord, so they have a son called Oliver. Um... So Oliver had a, an infection. They took him in nail care for a little bit, just to watch out for him. He seems to be on the mend. And also our sister, she had a few complications after the, the birth as well. So we'll pray that God makes all things well for mother and child. Then our brother Verbruch, he got a new hip this week, and the operation went well. He's scheduled to return home, maybe today. So we'll thank God for, for blessing him in that. Our brother Mahoney, we prayed for him last week um, that he would have cataract surgery. Well, he had a really bad ear infection Created some bell palsy on the side of his face, so they couldn't do the operation now, so they have to wait till that settles down. So we'll pray also for patience for our brother. Let's pray to God. Mighty God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you because we are sinners. You are the great and awesome God. You're a God who whose heart is filled with love, with faithfulness, with kindness. Your God, who, who is gracious and merciful. Your God, who is just, who is righteous. When we look at that, Lord, then we stand in awe of that. You call us to be the same. And then we realize that we're not the same, that we, we often don't have those traits. And that really manifests itself in our, our closest relationships. It's in our relationship with our children that, that we often fail, Father. It's often as parents that we're selfish, that we're proud. We're often self-interested. Sometimes it happens that, that we are not consistent in, in training and disciplining our children. Sometimes we're distracted by all sorts of other things. And, and who you are, what you have done for us, is not the central thing in our minds, and it's not the central thing that we teach our children. Sometimes it happens to us, Lord, that, that we fail to, to be consistent in disciplining our children that we're erratic, and that causes a lot of distress for our children. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, and we, we confess our sin to you, and we ask for your forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you not hold our guilt against us, but that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ would cover our sins. We also pray, Lord, that you renew us with your Holy Spirit, that we can live the kind of lives that you intend us to. Grant that the Spirit of Christ may enable us not to provoke our children to anger, but to love them from the heart, to be fair and consistent with them, to train and discipline them as necessary, to lead and teach them in your ways, to be faithful, to be gracious. Father, grant that your character may be manifest in our lives. We pray that in this way that our children may grow up to know who you are, to love you, and to walk in your ways. We ask, Lord, for for the children, for the young people here in our congregation this morning, Lord, we pray that you would help them to obey their parents. We ask that you would give them your Holy Spirit, that they may honor and respect those who you set in authority over them, that they're willing to, to do what's asked, and that they, they have a heart, that, that they understand your love, your grace, your mercy towards them. But grant that in our families, that, that we may live out of the grace that we've been shown in Christ. And as we do so, Lord, that there may be a lot of love and kindness and consideration for each other. And that we pray, Lord, that you would help our children to to thrive in that environment. Grant that they may have much righteousness, that they have right relationships with you and and with us as parents and with each other, with their teachers and their classmates and with others. We pray, Lord, that in this way, that you would bless them, that you would shine your face upon them. We also pray, Lord, that insofar as our children have, have disobeyed you, that they've disobeyed us as parents, that you would forgive them. Forgive them for also not treating their teachers well and show them mercy for Jesus' sake. Father, we thank you that at the end of the day that that you are the one who brings us into glory. We we just sang together from this hymn and we we confess there that you are the loving shepherd of thy sheep. And we ask that, that you would keep all your lambs in safety. And we do that in the knowledge that nothing can pluck them out of your hand because you have the power and you have the authority. Dear Father in heaven, we pray that in our church that we also help each other with these things. It's so when we have healthy boundaries and families, when we live out of the grace of our Lord Jesus, then that creates a certain culture. And we pray that together within our church that there may be a beautiful culture, Where we understand your character and we live out of that. That we also pray, Father, that we may listen to your laws, your statutes, your ordinances, and your your rules. Grant that we may obey them as a profound way of showing our love and gratitude to you. Grant, Lord, that we may love your laws, that we understand that as we walk in your ways, that we we are recreated into your character. And so we pray that, that your laws may have a a great place in our lives that we treasure them and that we value them, that we respect them and that we, that we follow them. Help us to instill this in our children as well so that they too may, may share in your grace. Father, we stand here with empty hands. We need your help, especially in the most intimate relationships that we have. We thank you for your mercy and we look forward to your blessing for Jesus' sake. Pray now, Father, also for the other members of our church who need you in special ways. Pray for our sister, Veldhuis. I want to ask that you would comfort her and her family, Lord, as they, they grieve the passing away of her mother. Please be near to them as they also need to bury her body. Grant that they may believe the promises of the resurrection, that they may set their eyes on the future, and that they may also encourage and build each other up during this time. We ask also, Lord, to... To grant your blessing for our brother Verbruch, we're grateful that he can receive a new hip this past week, and we want to pray for restored health and recovery for our brother. Thank you for the beautiful spirit that he has, that he trusts you and he accepts these things as coming from your hand, and we pray that he may return home in due time, that it may go well for him. We also pray the same for our brother and sister, Vias. We're so thankful that they have a new son, Oliver. Grateful, Lord, that, that Oliver could be born, that he's on the mend, we ask that in due time he can return home, also for her sister, that she may recover well and she gets her energy back. Please be near to this family, Lord. Grant them your grace and blessing. Grant that, that Oliver may, may grow up to know your character, that he may love you, that he may walk in your ways, and that he may rest under your blessing. Please give them a lot of joy in, in their family. And we also pray, Lord, for our Brother Mahoney. We ask that you would please be near to him. He's not able to get the eye operation on his cataract that he needed, and we pray that that you would make that possible. Also pray for the other elderly members of our church, Lord, so many different ailments that they face. There's so many ways in which they they need to endure difficulties as they face the breakdown of the body. Please be a father to them and help them. There are a number of others, Lord, who are under doctor's care in our congregation. We ask that you please bless the work of the doctors, pray for healing, we pray that you would sustain us during these, th- during these times. We also pray, Lord, that you would please help those who struggle mentally and emotionally within our congregation. We, we know that there are some people who have experienced difficulties in their families, in their, in their youth, and that's caused an enormous amount of distress in their lives. Please grant the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please surround them with a sense of your love and care. Help them to know your character and help them to, to live out of that and please show your love towards them. We also pray that you would grant that, that as a community that we may be sensitive to those who, who have been damaged in different ways, and that we assist them to live wholesome lives of gratitude before you. Please give us your grace to this end. Father in heaven, we, we pray that you would also be near to those who struggle with, with anxiety or, or with depression, those who, who have other mental health difficulties in their lives, please be a father to them and surround them with your love and nearness. We thank you that, that you're a faithful God and that you will care for us. We ask that you help us to remember that. Bless our conversations together today, Lord. Grant that we can come together here this afternoon again, that we can be built up through the preaching of the gospel. Please hear us, we pray, in the forgiveness of our sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you now have the opportunity to give your thank offerings to the Lord. The collection this morning is for the Ministry of Mercy. It is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that the Lord wishes to encourage us in our giving. He says there, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, this is after encouraging the people to have a collection for the church in Jerusalem, Then he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Your Father has loved you. And as he has loved you, he he asks you to also love him and to give cheerfully to him. After the collection, we're going to sing together about the character of our God, Psalm 103, the verses 5, 6, and 7. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.